welcome back to Displaced Utter Dogs. This is your girl and your host, the one and only Morgan. And today, it is very informal. I apologize about the car sounds on the road right behind me, because I'm over at my friend's house. AJ! Say hello. Hello. And then we have Peaches. Say hello. 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 Oh. So perfect. And, well, we all used to work together. They still work at Retail Hell. And I now work somewhere else. Hi, dumb truck. Bye, dumb truck. You're awesome. My kid loves you. <laughs> and uh, as you can tell, we've had like a little bit of a mental break because stuff and things and things and stuff work related. Ha ha. So, I think one of the things that we are all kind of experiencing right now that still ties us together is a mutual fucking friend and the lack of communication. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, and by the way, I'm not even gonna lie or sugarcoat this, we're fucking toasted! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So, informal drunken shenanigans. Let us begin! (laughs) So sit back. Relax, plug in, and enjoy. And get yourself some popcorn and buckle up, Buttercup, because it's going to be fun. So on this wonderful and dreary summer day, (laughs) it's very much a Monday. So Super case of the Mondays. Yeah. Super awesome, super duper case of the Mondays. We're also very close to a hospital, so you're going to hear a lot of sirens, which reminds me too much of work. But that's okay. At least I don't have to call for a door. Yay! So, we have this mutual friend that I used to work with and that they still work with. And he's going through a few things, and he wanted to shout out, so, ha, we're putting you on blast, motherfucker. We <laughs> love you. Welcome to your shout out. Yes, but we do love you. And if you ever listen to this, um, we actually do love you. But we're going to talk about, doesn't matter, personal, business, whatever. Communication is key. For everyone. AJ. What did you say earlier when I got here? The communication. We were talking about this. That this is the reason that relationships don't work. Yeah. Friendship, dating, anything. If you don't communicate, the relationship will not exist. Yeah. Period. This is also how businesses fail. This is also how people end up losing their jobs. Because it's not just like friendships or anything like that. It goes a lot deeper. So... Lack of communication causes a lot of problems. People are not mind readers. We can't breath we can't fix what we don't know is broke. Tis true. Oh my goodness, this is great. I need a place to crash. Fair enough. Toasted. Don't forget. Church. Being safe. <laughs> Being safe and wise and adult shenanigans while being responsible. But yes, message to everyone. If you have a problem, 
as Peaches said to me earlier, do not give subtle hints because it's never going to work. No, talk. That's the only way to fix things, and that is the problem with society, is people don't want to talk because we don't want to be butthurt, and we don't want other people to be butthurt. So we just clam up and say nothing, and then ruin everything. Well, and I also, actually, I also read a few articles and watched a few videos on psychological shit, and with, like, the whole victim mentality, Mm -hmm. and people that play victim all the time, and you see this a lot, even when people don't realize, and they're not even intentionally trying to play victim, but it goes into that lack of communication. Usually, the closer people are together, the harder it is, for some reason, for us to open up to one another, because we don't sit well. It's very hard for humans, in general, period, to sit well with our own guilt, our own shame, and our own vulnerability, because too many of us, one, we're taught, as children to never be vulnerable because as soon as you start crying or something it's oh my god you're annoying shut up and I'm not gonna lie as a parent there's been a few times where I've done that and I'm like I never said that you're annoying I was just like okay it's okay to be mad or sad or whatever and get your feels go to your room because I don't want to hear it that's fair you also have the feel like when you're closer to people you don't want to show that vulnerability because, oh, they're going to think differently of me or they're going to think less of me. But the point of the matter is, if there is something wrong, you have got to communicate it because if you don't, all you're doing is ruining that relationship. The communication will not ruin what is going on. You clamming up and deciding, I'm just not going to talk about it, I'm going to bury it, and I'm going to talk to other people about it, but not to them, is doing nothing but ruining that entire friendship or relationship or whatever it is. Yep. Trust me, I know, because Aaron and I have had similar conversations where he gets upset that I talk to you guys, but he feels like I don't talk to him. And here's the other thing, too. When s- that was an obnoxiously loud car that went by. <laughs> but, like, here's the other thing, too. When someone is trying to talk to you, when someone is trying to talk to you, don't just instantly get defensive, which is another thing that we're trained to do. We instantly get defensive because of our own insecurities and our own vulnerabilities. And when somebody is trying to share their insecurities... Well, this isn't my fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... And it speaks to your own vulnerabilities, is what they... Is what a lot of the research says, is that it speaks to your own vulnerabilities that you're uncomfortable with. And so you either go into, oh, shit, they're attacking me, or... It placates that I'm a white knight and I will save you. But when you do either of those, especially the white knight, I'll save you, you're no longer listening to them. You're trying to help them when, in fact, you're trying to help that part of yourself. Well, it's not even a lot of times that you want help. You just want somebody to listen and understand. You need to get it off your chest and you need to (coughs) express whatever's going through your brain. So you want somebody you can talk to that will be on the same level. It's not necessarily looking for a savior. You're looking for justification at that point. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even about vindicating. Sometimes it's not even about vindicating your own feelings or looking for a justification of your own feelings. Why you gotta make this weird? I'm making this weird. 
<laughs> I'm trying to get more liqueur because I placed a safe night today for an hour or two. You guys are like night walkers and vampires. So, oh no. Oh hey, we're gonna put this on pot. I don't know. Fair enough. Communication, it was still communication. It's like <laughs> the whole like white knight thing and oh yes. And vindicating, vindicating yourself. Yeah, because you don't want to feel unimportant, which is why we don't communicate. You yep. don't want to be looked at differently. Yeah, also not only that, but getting into like your vulnerability. That was great. But also getting into like your vulnerability too. One thing that I've noticed at the dynamics of my new workplace, since it's a male-dominated field, they don't really like to talk about a lot of shit. They try to keep it light and fluffy, but then, you, but you can tell, like, even when they're talking about their trucks and stuff, that, like, all of a sudden, they actually do let pieces of themselves be vulnerable and show in, like, a weird man way. Thanks for making eye contact with me <laughs> as you say that. You're welcome, Peaches. <laughs> Thank you for being the man in the conversation. Yeah. But it's, but it's true. I mean, like, Petrick, or Patricia, as we call him, he'll even let you know his vulnerabilities and stuff, like him talking about all the girls he banged and all the, oh, his the things that he's done. Yeah, that's him talking about his insecurities and self-consciousness about sex and finding a partner that he could be with, really. And I'm not trying to psychologically break him down, but I mean, the fact that it gets brought up a lot. All the time. It does. And... Well, I like who he's with. It does kind of speak, though. And some of his past relationships, minus the abuse, of course. Yes. But that's also another reason why, because he feels like he has no control over his own life, which is why he's being a salty bitch towards everything. What? So listen. Listen. No, he How is. real of names we're using, how many people know who I am. Patricia and Peaches. Oregon. AJ. But my name was Hank. But regardless. <laughs> Peaches is Hank. Hank is Peaches. Just, it is what it is. Yeah, go with it. Anonymity. Anonymity. Whatever. <laughs> Amoeba. See, anemone. <laughs> We're all little anemones. We'll see you. And then we'll give you a hug, too. Because... When you stick your fingers in between their spines, they go pew and they hug you with their little spines as they're trying to sting you. No. Uh uh. Okay. But having worked with Patricia a lot longer than you, and AJ even working longer, even, yeah, every single time that he is past, quote, past. Up for a promotion. Not the most stellar <clears throat> worker. No sense of urgency. Terrible attitude. Yeah. Have well, you ever worked over him when you got the job that he's been trying for yes. for 10 yeah. years? Yeah. Yeah. Cap team two. Support. Main and supervisor. Support. Yeah. Assistant. CSM. Four. All CSM. That. <laughs> he is salty. 
and wants no direction whatsoever because he knows way better than you do. He trained he half trained of them. He trained everyone in that position before you. Yep. No. That's why I'm getting daily complaints on why because people's he, jobs aren't getting done while I'm doing other people's jobs aren't there. Yeah, but see, but that's what he does, though. And that's what a lot of these people do, is that instead of talking about it and trying to have somebody level with them... Like, that's the other thing, too. If you're not willing to talk and have open, honest communication... You're not going to better yourself. You're not... Yeah, you don't want to change. You don't want to better yourself because it's... Me against the world, and the world is against me. No, that's not fuck. Patricia. That is Patricia. Do it, D. Yeah. That, that sometimes it's justified, and I will give it that. Yeah, but so say you have a team of five people who are supposed to do a certain job. You can do the job solo, <coughs> but when everyone else calls in on you, everyone else doesn't show up. You're doing the job solo with a boss question mark that you don't like you don't want to do shit shit didn't get done because i had one associate out of six including myself yeah but i mean but that's the thing that's when they get salty and they start pushing people away and they start to have that whole fuck it attitude and that's what ruins the relationship and that's where it gets hard because when they flake on you like this and being in a management role or having been in a management role when you're looking for there are people in this world that are good at managing but don't know the job or suck at the job and then there are people that are good leaders and then the rest are kind of cannon fodder and they have a very integral piece to play such as like Patricia I would say that he would be, he has qualities of being a decent manage, like management and manager, but as a leader, he's not the best pick, and that's why he gets passed up for a lot of it. I agree, and that's been, because I've worked with him for almost seven years now, Yeah. so I've been through a lot of the pass-ups that he's encountered. And every single time, it all comes back to his attitude. Because he cannot be led. He straight refuses to be led. Yeah. And his attitude towards any member of management is just awful. Especially if it's someone that he felt like he should have their job. Yeah. And because if he felt like that should have been his spot, he knows how to do it far better than you do. He's got a plan that's going to work and be executed far better than yours will, even if it won't. Because in his brain, he has decided that he is top dog, and it doesn't matter that it's your job. To him, it's his, and he will not listen. Yeah. And I mean, he's, and he's not a real good leader because of the lack of communication. If he can't be led, he's unwilling to talk. And he's there has to be a certain level of compassion. You have to be able to tell somebody to do something, give them a direction, and if they don't honestly know how to do a certain aspect, they know everything except for one aspect, and they're asking you for help, you have to have that compassion, and you have to know that, you have to be able to do that job and know that job, that you can go, okay, I'm gonna take the time, I'm going to work with you on this, and I'm going to try and build you. But he doesn't do that. No. His thing was, 
Like when it came to getting the position of unloading truck supervisor, backroom supervisor, well, it's it's craft team too, is what it's referred to. And yeah. And we do hire a lot of people that really you can't put them anywhere else but and there's a lot of personality conflicts and a lot of children and like they're strong. Not all of them are dumb, but most of them are mm -hmm. socially inept. Yes. Let's just put it that way. They're like they're not like dumb like dumb like a box of rocks. Ooh, I'm big strong muscles. Ooh. And that's it. No, they're just like <laughs> But here comes the point of P is that he knows how to do to, to do the job. But he doesn't know how to train anyone. Doesn't apply else. himself to do it. Yeah. No, no, not even just train anyone, cause honestly, because honestly he did train me on what I do. Yeah. I was at my place of employment for like ten months, left for six, came back within three months, I was what he wanted to be. I was his boss. He knows how to do it, just cannot present himself to do it. He cannot hold himself at a higher standard, yeah. yeah. And part of that is where he self-destructs with when he gets salty, he purposely messes up his job. Then he gets super mouthy. He's, he doesn't show up. If he has a chance to call out, he will. So he's unreliable. And here's the thing. He, he knows how to develop people that he likes. If he doesn't like you, he won't develop you. And when he finally, when you came along, he had been passed up for, for the backroom supervisor position that I got. He had been passed up for the position that I got. Yep. And because he got passed up for those two positions. What was it? 37? That's what he claims. That's 37 he, when we were both up for grabs. If I was at the company for nine plus years, whatever the fuck it is. And I was passed up for 37 promotions. That's what, like two a year, three a year? I'm bad at math. That's a, that's a, some quite a bit a year. <laughs> oh my god, she's back. But um, it was I'd give up at some point, right? Ain't or it? you would either give up, or I'd you would stop, or you would stop, and you would reevaluate your situation. And but that's the problem is he will not take constructive criticism no. at all and that you can tell him patricia this is what you need to work on and every single time you try to tell him it's a personal attack and you're wrong because he's doing it right and you would think at a point not even 37 you would think after just a few you would think okay so clearly something is wrong that I need to work on. And you would go to someone and ask, okay, why is it that I'm not getting these positions? Because, again, effective communication. Yeah. But he does not. No. He just continues to go up for the same spots, continues to get passed up for them, and then wants to be an ass to everyone else in the building because he feels like he should have it. There's again, that sense again, of not, not protecting P, but the last part that he got messed up for was like legitimate they had his paperwork filled out that was bullcrap. it was a glitch and see and that i had one of my friends who i cannot remember their name come over to my house that day that that happened it was my birthday don't remember your name aj 
AJ came over to my house on the day that fucking Peacunt got pissed off for a fucking promotion. <laughs> I swear all the time. That's why I'll never be like syndicated or like super popular. That's, that's fine. That's not surprising. I'm for management. Regardless. <laughs> Dude, like, have you met? I've worked a lot of different places, and I can tell you right now that like sailors and service folk, there's a reason why upper management tends to. Are we servicing Run sailors? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole, we're not, no. I've never served as a sailor, so I will be absent for that one. But yes, I mean, no, I agree. Season, but. The last one he got passed up for was complete horse. Yeah. Because he was given the job, guaranteed the job. There was a glitch with the computer system. And somewhere <clears throat> in between when the system got rebooted... Fucking elk cunt showed her face. The turtle decided <laughs> that she did not want that to happen. And as the store manager, it was her final say. And then all of a sudden, there's somebody that was hired externally in the building doing the job that he was essentially promised. <clears throat> I will say, out of all of my associates, no matter how poor they act, how much they fuck up, I will take a bullet for every person on my team. I tell them that all the time. And I tell them that hoping that they will step up the pace and prove themselves. Because there's nothing that my team could do that would blindside me, hopefully. And I, I, I want my team to communicate with me. I want them to be able to say, like, hey, I didn't get this done. It's a part of trust. Yes. And when you don't communicate, there's no trust. And if there's no trust, there's no relationship. That's it's, one of the pillars and foundations. Exactly. That's why I don't care to run... A different part of the store. I don't care to do this, I don't care to do that, because I used to trust my team would get it done, but it's getting to the point that I can't trust them to get it done, and that's where it's becoming worrisome. And that's where the sense of entitlement comes in. That's also where complacency happens, because people get so used to... So, like, Patricia, one of the things that I've noticed in the years that I've worked with him... But is, is that, it even getting used to at this point with seven years here, 20 years here, 15 years here? Complacency is the killer because that's the thing. You don't even realize that you yourself have become complacent. It's everybody else around you and it's everybody else's fault and they play the victim card. But and it's really hard to swallow when and that's just it. Unless you're willing to accept constructive criticism constructive criticism not just straight criticism criticizing does not work at all but constructive criticism and that's where that positive negative positive sandwich hey i'll take a bullet for you because i think that you're you're really knowledgeable and you are when you decide to show up you're an exceptional worker but there's the problem is that we need to work on your attendance <clears throat> you need to get comes. that under control. And you also need to learn. Like, you you need to work with me when you show up. You need to work with me on having a better attitude. <clears throat> it's a shit job. It's a shitty situation. And I totally feel you on that. I get called to the mat every single time you don't do something and I'm willing to take those hits and take those punches. As long as you're giving what you've got. As long as you are reciprocating and showing up and being not just a body that's here, 
I mean, anybody can fog a mirror by breathing on it. I need you to actually fog that mirror and spit shine it while you're at it. And you know what? You've got the ability to do that. And if you just applied yourself a little bit more, you are an amazing worker when you choose to. You need to choose that all the time. And then you'll start getting looked at. That, like the positive, negative, positive sandwich. You point out their good stuff. And that's just it. And that's where I hate when people say that you're aggressive or you're bossy. When, and I'm, no, I'm serious. I hate it when you get told that you're like aggressive, rough around the edges, too abrasive. When you're honestly, bossy people or aggressive people just straight attack you as a person. They don't address the behavior that they don't like. They just instantly turn it into a personal attack where a good leader or manager, when it comes to, can, and that's when it's just straight criticism. When it comes to constructive criticism and actual communication to resolve a problem, you have to address the problem or the problematic behavior. But also recognize the good. Yeah, but recognize a lot of the good because it's just this one thing. I mean, even on a personal level, when... So, what do you do if... Uh, everybody has their limit, though. And that's that, just it. That's you fair. can only give a person so much grace, and that's the hardest part. When do you stop giving <clears throat> grace? And when do no, you start this, dropping that hammer? No, this is about me giving grace. <coughs> so, what do you do when one of your best employees you have does the best he can, giving the instructions he's gotten from higher up than you... And then the next day you find out he's supposed to be coached over something that your That's boss told them to do. And then they brought that to your attention saying, hey, we need to talk to him because he needs to be coached. I've had that multiple times now. But that's where you have the, that's where you take the bullet and you have the document. That's why documentation in, no, in a no, job do, No thing. documentation, no nothing. Her, him, whatever, it telling my other employee to do this and then getting mad at him for it later. So then what you do is you so then what you do is you you suggest that they start documenting as well and you start doing the CYA and you we start noted. yeah, you start preaching cover your ass cuz the best person that's going to have your back 100% of the time is you. And you have to take, you have to put some personal accountability on them as well. You have to, because that's just it. In order to have an effective relationship at all, whether it's working or personal, there has to be some accountability. And if the person is unwilling, I mean, if you get talked to so many times and you've actually altered the behavior, you've done everything you can, you get told this, you get told that. At what point do you go? The most logical thing to do is to, you know, what, at what point do you go, okay, I can only cover your ass so much. You have to start covering your ass as well. CYA, cover your ass. Not me, not MYA, me cover, not MCYA, me cover your ass. You have to start covering your ass as well. So, and that directing your people 
And here's the thing too, if they have any ounce of integrity, then... They'll do it. Yeah, because then they know that what they were told was wrong. Keep blending into that wall. My camera won't work. <laughs> but like, there has to be some personal accountability. You can't take all of that response. That's what killed me and led to that like little break is that when I started to try and put that personal responsibility, because they wanted to coach me several times. They wanted to coach me straight up. El Twat wanted to coach me. And because wanted, she wasn't holding other people accountable. But every single time that I would try to hold somebody accountable, there was a roadblock. There was always an assistant manager. And I will say that, that Mr. T-Roy did not help in this matter because every single time that it's like, hey, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, this is the pattern of behavior that I've noticed, I have addressed it personally, it is now to that point where we have to take it to the next level. I really don't want to, but there's no way for them to take it seriously because there's no consequences for their actions and there's only so much heat I can take before this is not me. And I don't know how to fix this. And you know, it's funny when I when I left that position, when I stepped down from that position, that problem still existed and persisted. But even T Roy, when I would go to him, okay, we'll take care of it. Okay, we'll take care of it. And then nothing ever got done. And unfortunately, the position that I was in, I couldn't pull the trigger on that without him signing off on it. And when people don't make that time, and then that's also where the communication and the distrust happens because trust was broke. Nobody had my back. At least that's because that's how it read. That's how it felt. And now you're in this like constant stress of, oh crap, is today the day that I have to pass everything in and I go home and... I just go, I gave it my all, but I don't know what to do. And then you also start to question yourself as, I don't know if you've ever been to that point where you also start to question yourself like, God, am I actually a decent manager? Why the fuck did I even get this position in why the first place? Yeah. yeah. Why am I here? Well, it's like, I haven't told you about this yet, but we actually had a situation a couple days ago between, we'll call him Ollie and Ham. Okay. <laughs> so... Pam comes up to me and asks me, and I quote, Oh, is Mr. Buck hurt out of time because he's still here? Referring to Ollie. And I'm like, no. Because he had made it a point that he would work X amount of hours per day, and then he was going to use his paid time off to take the rest of the day off. So it was covered, but he didn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently he had said something to her that he was leaving at 2. He had told me he was leaving at 5. I felt that the whole situation was incredibly unprofessional. Because, one, you shouldn't be discussing someone else's hours with me regardless. Mm-hmm. You should not be referring to an associate that is technically my underling as Mr. Butthurt. Yeah. So, I approached Ollie. I told him what happened. And, obviously, he was upset. <laughs> So he actually uh, went to her and asked her about it. 
and she had the audacity to tell him she's a liar. <coughs> so at this point, she's calling me a liar for something that she said because she didn't want to take the heat for what she actually said. And that's where personal responsibility and accountability. Yes. So he came to me and asked me about it again. And we had the discussion. You know, he was like, you know, I don't feel like you're the kind of person to lie about it. You're an intelligent person. I don't feel like that's something you would do. So what happened? So, I mean, the only conclusion you can come to at that point is she didn't want to take responsibility for it. Because after the fact, she came to the office that I was in, busted through the door, and started yelling at me because I told him what was said. <coughs> if you don't want to be held responsible for something you said, especially in a situation like that, don't say it. Don't put yourself... That is one of the times to not communicate. Yes. So now we're in a big situation because the retail hell that we work in, the Peaches and I work in, is currently in a humongous state of distress. <coughs> so we are dealing with, we've got our manager plus two other managers that are in the building that are technically in charge over the manager that's actually over our store. Yeah. And he has come to the point, Ollie has, that he is taking it to one of the other managers. Because he doesn't feel like anything is going to happen if he takes it to our manager because of all of the blackmail and the lies and the scandals and everything else that happens in our store. I swear to God, we need to have our own TV show because yeah, we can be really? a reality drama and have millions of viewers because it's ridiculous. We could same at my new workplace. That's also fair. But he has decided that it's bad enough he wants to file a formal grievance against Ham for what happened. So He has every right to, though. And he does. So, now, this one stupid little thing that she said, which, granted, as a member of management, maybe it was not my place to say it, I'll give it that, but it was something that should not have been said, it was something that should not have been shared, it was none of anybody's business, Hello, police, bye, police. except for the two of them, Hello, police, bye, police. except for the oh two of God, them. Oh my God, they're after our other manager. Right. <laughs> It's going to be a fun day at my workplace. <laughs> and she decided that she was going to say it. I'm the kind of person that if something doesn't sit well with me, I feel like it's something you should not have said. I feel like it's something that crossed the line. I will say it. Because I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to say something, even if it's not to you, if I say something, it's not something that I would not say directly to your face. Well, and like I told him earlier, is that I, I talk shit about a bunch of people. But I talk shit do. about people... But I would say it to their face. And he said, what if you called me a dickweed? And I got mad about it. I said, well, it's because you're being a dickweed. Yeah. There's no reason to lie about it. I mean, no. people are shitty people. Well, and here's the thing. And at the end of the day, no matter what, the truth comes out anyways. Even if you leave a place, I'm pretty sure that quite a few people are like, oh, good. I'm glad that Morgan's gone because now the toxic, one of the toxic people is gone. I'm pretty sure that that was said. You, maybe not you, to you guys directly. No. The toxicity of that store has skyrocketed since you left. Oh, that's Have funny. you not seen how we party? <laughs> there's. Yeah. yeah. No. Here, here's you, you the, here's wanna... here's my conundrum is that. But I got called that. But I personally got called, which was also very unprofessional, in my opinion. I got called. Like I got told, we all knew that it was toxic. But Mr. Westside 
like straight when he said when he asked if the other backroom manager was there and I said no and then I jokingly because we had a rapport that's the thing you can't trust your rapport mm -hmm. that's that's one thing I have learned is that at times it may seem like this upper member of management is your friend and they feel comfortable enough to say stuff to you and you feel comfortable enough to say stuff to them and you have this rapport and you understand their humor and they understand your humor but apparently I had said something on and we all have bad days I get that and uh, clearly if like three weeks later he left anyways so he was clearly on his limit but the fact that when I called him to the mat like it's your job and you don't even know like I understand not knowing associates schedules but you should at least know your mid and higher mid management like you should at least know well, that at that point though and then he called me into the office because I happened to say it this is where I fucked up and I'll totally admit this I should not have said it in front of my crew I should have even though I said it in a joking manner it doesn't negate the fact that that was unprofessional and it undermined him because it made him look bad yep because it made him look bad and so and I totally admitted to that when we talked privately but next thing I know he laughed it off it seemed fine and the next thing I know about an hour and a half later I'm getting called into the office and I'm getting told and I, and I even straight took the lick of you're right I shouldn't have said that but then for him to call me toxic and that that's part of the toxicity and cancer that we're trying to get rid of that right there then starts make making you go shoot you attack me as a person you didn't just address the behavior you already addressed the behavior we already agreed we both came to the conclusion inappropriate not okay and now you're attacking me as a human being and now you're yeah now you're attacking me as a person and that's don't say that. You're going to scare it. There's a giant robin in my yard. Yes, that your dog likes. Yes. He wants to kill it. <laughs> he wants to hunt it. Because he thinks he's a coon. <coughs> he is a coon hound, but he's, he's not. He's also got like whippet or something in him. No, he's a actually full-blooded trail wow. walker coon hound. Oh. But I just... But it's one of those where, yeah, no, the that store has always been kind of toxic. And it's getting nothing but worse. And I'm, there's been times where it's been better, mm -hmm. but then it gets worse. So much worse. Because to the point that literally I have been there seven years. There is only one person left as a member of management that was a member of management the last time I took the position I have now. And actually, she was not a salaried member of... Yeah, and she wasn't even a salaried member of management when I started. She was still a department manager. So there's literally no one left as a salaried member of management from when I started. Which, granted, if you're in a company like this, you want your people to grow and yeah. move on. And I understand that. But the problem is, is that they haven't grown and moved on no, within the company. No, most of them have left the company or stepped down just to get out. Like, even my fiancé left 
our store, he wanted to promote. He still to this day does. Yeah. But he so badly wanted out of our store that he took a lateral position where instead of driving five minutes a day to work, he was driving almost two hours every day to work because that was how badly he wanted out because he understood how toxic it was. And he understood that he wasn't going to grow. And no. if he had stayed there, I'm sure he'd have gotten fired. Oh, yeah. Because the last two managers or he that we've like, had. Quit. Yes. He would have been forced into one of those two. Because the last two managers we've had have done every possible thing they can to boot anybody with any knowledge out of the building. And everybody that's there is either brand new or has no training whatsoever on what they're supposed to be doing within their position. And that's the one thing when I was researching bossy and how to take it, right? Because there's such a negative connotation on it. And I don't think you should ban the word, but I think that there are better ways to describe it. Because bossy means so much that you have to pinpoint and narrow it down. And that's the one thing when I was looking into like bossy is that... And it's not just women, it's also men. Men typically, on average, the more powerful, the more higher up you get, the more likable you are. Where women, on the other hand, typically, typically, there's always gonna be a few exceptions. I was gonna say, where's my privilege at? There's always a few exceptions to the rules, and it's not privilege, it's just when men want to strive for something, in a healthy world, which is still not really all that healthy, when women start to get actually, and here's the thing, at our store there's a lot more female managers than there are male managers, and when that happens, <laughs> the higher you get as a woman, this is a study that was actually done by Princeton University, and it's an actual psychological study that um, even the London Business School or whatever, like major establishments of a higher education and that focus on the psychology of the workplace for helping businesses grow and not have such a toxic culture, even amongst women, <clears throat> the higher a woman gets in management, the less her likability is. She's less likable. And the problem is, is that a lot of these women have, feel, have felt marginalized. So when they come to our store and they realize that they're in a mainly women-centric culture of management, but we've all seen it with uh, Miss Lachessa. Mm -hmm. We've seen it with Lachessa wanting the store and then Eltwat getting the store. Like, we've seen how that clashed, and it ripped, and this last year, it has ripped the store, or the first year, it ripped the store apart, because La Chessa was totally undermining Eltwad. And, but, if there was a male, the higher they get, more people felt comfortable. I mean, even with T-Roy... More people feel more comfortable going and talking to him than they do other females. What? Well, yeah, Lachessa or even Eltwat, they feel a lot more comfortable going to and talking to him. He's more likable. He's more even keel. And part of that's just the difference in men and women. Yes. But, and I'm not saying that like women are toxic, but when 
when you feel marginalized and you finally make it to a certain point where you can call the shots, essentially. You take it to your head. <clears throat> Women tend to take it more to their head. And then there's, and there's always going to be a little bit of that power struggle and dynamic because it's just human nature in general. When you get a good job and... And you can only progress so far that when somebody below you can actually progress further than you, instead of taking credit for that, you tend to try and stop it and stifle you it. You squash it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like my fiancé Doyle and I were talking about it actually just a few days ago because he said, with the exception of Rochelle, because <clears throat> we've now had three female managers in our store that the two of us worked under. Yep. Versus the three male managers that he has worked under. And he said, with the exception of Rochelle, every female manager that he has worked for that has been at the top tier of the company has been emotionally driven. Which, in some ways, is good, but in other ways, is very, very bad. Because? Because, for example, like, I was sick a few weeks ago and had to take the whole week off. And... It wasn't my choosing to take the week off. I literally was told. You tried to work even. Yes. And I was told by three different doctors, you are not to go to work. But every time that I walked into that store and tried to have a conversation with Eltwat, she would not look at me. She would not respond to me unless it was very short, snippy sentences. And it was the same way before that with the manager that happened before that. So almost every manager... That is female is very emotionally driven. Yes. Is very emotionally driven. Which is understandable because, again, it's that divide of men are taught not to be emotional. Whereas women are taught that's what you do. Yep. So, yes, it comes down to the patriarchy splitting people, blah, blah, blah. Which is, again, a whole other podcast. Oh, yeah. That's a whole ball of wax. But (laughs) when you're in a situation like this... I understand the emotionally driven part because it's not like I can say that I haven't done it. Yeah. But you have to learn the balance. You've got to learn, okay, I understand that this affects me and it's terrible right now, but it's like the thing that I shared on Facebook the other day. You know, we as a generation now feel guilty if we call in to work because we feel like our business having the staff is more important than us taking care of ourselves. Oh, it's very true where I work now. It It is. And and it's awful because you should not feel that way. You should not feel like I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown. I'm about to have a panic attack, but you know what? I might lose my job. If I don't go to work, one, I'm going to lose my job. Two, they're going to be short-staffed and all these other people are going to have to work harder. And when I get back, I'm going to be looked at differently because I had to take time off. And it should not be like that. No. And... I'll say, like, right now, where I work, it is very much, like, people jokingly make comments of, you know, like, oh, well, uh, there's... Jokingly. Joke. And let's be real. Half the reason why comedy is under attack in today's society is because they're talking about real issues that actually matter to them. Comedians are, but they're putting it in such a way to where they turn it lighthearted. And where you can actually have an open discussion about it, because you can joke about it, but they're really venting and getting shit off their chest. I mean, Christopher Titus is like one of my favorite all-time comedians, and him, his uh, stand-up does Norm Rockwell. Mm -hmm. He explains it. Everyone's looking, his mother committed suicide, and everybody's looking at him like, 
you know, you've had such a fucked up life and such a fucked up childhood, and this is, like, inherent, like, your mom's crazy and you're crazy. Why have you not done any of that? And he had a mental break on a fucking um, airplane, and he had even said if his mom had found comedy, would she still have done what she did? Would she have killed herself? And... And, I mean, that's kind of a more serious note to end that whole sketch on. But, at the same time, it's one of the things that, it, during that entire comedy show that he did, that entire hour-long one that he did, it was very much like he admitted, like, straight up, that comedy and humor and being able to turn things into that was about the only thing that kept him sane and kept him successful in moving forward and not giving into the depression, the drugs and all that. Yeah, sure, there was some drugs when he was younger and drinking when he was younger and stuff, but I mean... But how that turns into is like, at my workplace, if somebody calls out, people get pissed off. You can instantly tell, like, oh, did so-and-so call out again? Ha! <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and they say whatever they say with a ha-ha-ha, <laughs> JK, JK, just kidding. But there's a little truth behind every JK. Yeah, there is. And there's frustration and annoyance there because it, they, we all know that we have to pick up the slack. Um, we then have to call somebody in. But then at the same time, my supervisors and my supervisors' bosses tell me all the time, don't take this home. Don't take this home. You can't let this place, and if you're stressing about this place, like, when you go home, then there's something wrong because now you've shifted all of, like, basically there's something wrong because now you've put this place above your family and stuff and don't let it ruin your two days off. But it's really hard not to when every day you have to deal with the same thing over and over. Over and over again, and it's like, at what point do people learn? So, to be fair, but yeah, like, but it's just, at what point do you learn? At what point do you, and that's, and that's just it sometimes, and that's the weird balance as well, is that whole, like, you try not to put that place above, and you get upset because it is selfish. And that's one thing that's hard to reconcile, too, because maybe that person is legitimately sick. And we've all, we don't want to be looked at differently, but we all look at other people the same way. The same way. And reconciling that within ourselves. But, but then also, I guess how I try to justify it, maybe this is wrong to a certain regard, but that's why I look for patterns of behavior. <clears throat> because when I start recognizing those in others and I don't like it, for me, what I do is I internalize and I start recognizing some of the patterns in myself. And I don't like to be reactionary. And I guess, and that's another problem with the store, the retail hell that you guys work at, is that nobody is preemptively nipping something in the butt. They let it... You can see the train wreck that is about to happen. Yeah. And you know that there's a way. It's like when you're coming to a train crossing and the guard goes down. You hear the 
whistle, bop, bop, and then you see the bing, 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 and the things, the arms dropping, and you are just this onlooker on the side of the road, and you see this car not slowing down, coming, approaching that railroad crossing, and you're going, hey, 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 hey! And then all of a sudden, you like you're trying to preemptively, you know what's going to happen. And then the train wreck and the car crash happens, and then you react. And it's one and of those. They ignore. Yeah. All of the arms and all of the whistles. Because they're too busy on their phone dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with, or trying to deal with something that shouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, like something that. dumb. Well, like that woman that killed those that almost that entire family, and her excuse was, "My father was in the hospital." <laughs> yes. Like you just took out a family, children Be at that. Yeah, you killed. Your kids are safe in the car, but these parents of these people that you don't even know, you just killed. Just lost two thirds of their children. Yeah. Two-thirds of their children because you're so worried about texting about your dad. Sorry, your dad's at the hospital, okay? My grandmother died. And I think we remember that day. My grandmother died. And then, how many days later did I have to put down my dog? Yeah. And yet, what did I do? I got that call at the beginning of my shift. And you persevered and you kept working. Yeah. And I broke down later afterward. I mean, I almost lost my son, my youngest. I almost straight up lost a child. And yet, payroll still had to be done. And I still showed up. I did it. Yeah, I was not the pleasant, the most pleasant person to be around. And I did get talked to by management about my behavior. But then recognizing it and realizing what was going on and then actually at that time, it was Brian, and actually opening up to him. Letting him know what had happened. Yeah. Then he even said, go home. After you're done finalizing payroll, go home. And I was like, no, I can't. <clears throat> because I can't afford that pay cut. One, I can't afford to lose those hours. And two, I can't afford... I mean, even when my new workplace happened, my youngest had his incident with the chair. Yeah. It was a real struggle because I was new. So it's, what do I do? Do I... Well, his dad has him. He's perfectly fine and safe. He's at the hospital. There's nothing I can do. At this point, it's in the doctor's hands. And it's a cut. It's a really bad cut. But it's not life-threatening. It was determined by medical staff and medical professionals that it's not life-threatening. So I can still work and persevere. And yet, and yet, I know that at that time, a lot of um, my coworkers were being called about their attendance. And I got told directly by my supervisor, by both of my supervisors on duty at the time, go. No, just go. This is understandable. Go. And so it's like, okay, all right, I'm going to go. Are you sure you want me to go? And I kept questioning it, and they're just like, just go. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gone. I'm gone. 
But knowing that they would be, knowing that you would be judged if you stayed, but judged if you left. And I was judged for leaving because then it's, oh, Culver, did you get talked to about your attendance? No. Because I was sent home by superiors. And I had, I even brought in, and this is where CYA and stuff, because I've just learned over the years, and maybe this comes from life in general and getting fucked two ways from Sunday. But I also just brought in my doctor, like his doctor paperwork and everything, and they're just like, you didn't need to do this. And I was like, well, now you've got a copy. Right. I'm going to give it to the lady downstairs to put in my file. And here's some pictures. You want to see this? This looks awesome. It's awful. It's, it's awesome because I know he's fine, but it's terrifying. Yeah. Well, and it was the same way for me. You know, when I lost my first child. Yeah. The doctors told me they wanted me to take a week off. Decompress, you know, take the time that you need. I want you to take at least a week off. I lost him on a Thursday afternoon. And... Monday morning I was right back at work and it wasn't because I felt like I was okay it was but it wasn't because I needed a distraction yep so to me going to work was the easiest distraction I had it got me out of the house it got me away from memories I was out of my house I was done but it was also that guilt that even though she told me my boss at the time told me oh no no you're fine you can go ahead and take the week I didn't believe her because I knew the staffing in the building that I worked at. I knew the people that I worked with and I knew that they were screwed if I didn't come in. Yep. So rather than take the time that I needed, I took the weekend off and I came right back in Monday morning ready to go. Yep. Well, and on that note of like being parents and mothers and teachers being a parent, a father, the fact that people think that it's so sad that we put our kids, and then some people will say, because we're Americans, some people will say, oh, well, that's America for you, fuck them, like, this is why it's so bad, but let's be honest, anywhere you, anywhere you go, like, when you're a parent and you put your kids above, like, there's always going to be that, there's always that parental guilt, but then there's always that, holy crap, the working, the working guilt. And part of the working guilt, you have to think about it. How often do you and Doyle actually spend time together? Who do you spend the most time with? My coworkers. Yeah. Like, honestly, how often do you see Doyle versus your coworkers? Mm-hmm. And that's where people, and I've realized this, it's where what your coworkers think absolutely matter. Like, Displaced Underdogs is such a fitting for this. I don't. Mm-hmm. Because when I was working in retail hell with you guys, at least I didn't feel so displaced. Now I feel completely displaced because my coworkers, I don't, I don't even know where I stand with them. And with this new management team that you guys have, you don't even know where you guys stand, and that is... The killer. It, that's where a lot of stress has made it way worse. Yeah, because you come to a point, you don't want to, but, like, especially with where we work, and with being on third shift, because Speeches and I work third shift, and we have oh, for yeah. a while, 
at that store, their tip has always been a family. So the whole six years that I've been on overnights, it's been a very close-knit group. You have each other. It doesn't matter how much you hate somebody that works on that shift. Oh, yeah. You all have your, each other's backs because it's one of your family. And it's sad. Because you all go through the same hell together. Yes. It's, it's sad in some ways, but not in others because... Yes, you consider them your family, so you've got your group of people, but at the same time, you come home, and it's almost like the people at your house are your strangers. Yeah. You don't know these people. Because Doyle and I, we get one day a week um, where my little boy is with his dad, so we have one day a week we spend just the two of us together, and I have to work that night, so it's usually maybe four or five hours, if we're lucky, that we spend together. And then we have another night a week that I get off work that morning, so I, of course I'm exhausted because I've worked all week, and it's my weekend, but it's me, Doyle, and my little one, and we spend the day together to the point that we can, but at that point, you don't even feel like a family. Yeah. And it's nice to have that camaraderie with your co-workers where you can feel like you can go to them for anything, like we know anything and everything about each other with almost everyone in that building, but then you come home, and you don't feel like you belong because you never see these people and that whole like my my superiors don't take the work stress home with you and then of course when you do take that work stress with home you with feel you guilty because you're taking out any stress in your body on your family yeah or when you try to talk to your significant other about what's happening because they're just like this isn't you this isn't like you what's what happening? happened or you come home and you're just like, oh my god! Even if you spent like that extra hour to decompress mm -hmm. with a few of your coworkers, or even by yourself, like even when you come home, like that's been one of the main problems where Aaron has with me, and I've had with him when I was um, when I was pregnant with Paige, and I was in between jobs at the time. And then I was a stay-at-home mom the entire time between Washington and here. One of the biggest things that I had, particularly when we lived in Washington, and I no longer worked at the call center that we both mutually met and worked at, when we no longer had the call center in common, but his sister who lived literally right across the hall, your door to here <laughs> was literally the distance between our doors. And they worked the same shift. They still worked at the call center. It was really difficult because they would come home and they would have the whole car ride because they carpooled together. It made sense. They worked the same shift. They worked at the same place. But it really bothered me a lot and I felt like an outsider and I felt like a stranger because I could no longer participate in the conversation. They decompressed the almost two, three hours that they got home and they would be talking about people, they would be talking about, and not callers, they would be talking about coworkers and all the work shit that's going on. And I would just be like, okay, I guess I'm gonna take care of the kid, okay, I guess I'm gonna take care of the house and not get a break, oh, because I've been doing this all, okay, fine. And there are times now when I come home and I just can't really talk because it's, and then, because Doyle loves you so much and Aaron loves me so much that, and they know that we're actually very strong women, that 
it turns into a they get frustrated and then it seems like they're getting mad at us like why can't you handle this better i don't know if you've ever had that argument you shouldn't be letting this stress you out because you should be above this yeah you should be above this you're better than this I don't know if this is another one. Why are you getting yourself involved in this? That's another one I get a lot. Yeah. Why? Half the time it's not even something I want involved in. It's, especially as a supervisor, I don't know how it works at other places, but I know almost every place that I've worked, if you are a supervisor, people come to you with everything. Oh. Shit that you do not even begin to care about. My supervisor, when I called out one of my... Um, fellow co-workers that was drinking on the job. I I could tell right off the bat both of my supervisors and even their bosses were just like nobody wanted to deal with that. Yeah. Nobody wanted to deal with that. But that's the point you come to because you're like I don't and it can be the pettiest crap in the world. It can be but can can I be know you're serious. The, yes. I know you're the same way that I am. We're very empathetic people. So when people come to us with a problem, we automatically adopt that problem as our own. And then you come home. And somewhere in the back of your mind, it's still ticking. And you're thinking about it. And eventually it eats you alive. And you feel like, okay, I need to talk to Aaron. Or I need to talk to I need to talk to somebody. Because I need to get it out. I need a secondary opinion. But they don't care. Because they're like, this does not affect me. This does not affect you. Why are you worried about it? And it's like, because I can't and, not be worried about it. It affects one of my family members at this yeah, point. It affects, and it affects me. And I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll say this. How many times have I told you guys that I'm lazy as fuck and I'm selfish as fuck? And everyone goes, no, 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 no. No, you're not. You're one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And you care so much about other people. You're not lazy. Even Aaron, and I'm sure Doyle will say mm-hmm. the same. You're not lazy and you're not selfish. And it's like, yeah, no, I am. Because part of the reason why we adopt the problems, too, is not just because it's one of the family members, even if it's a person we hate. But it hate, keeps me from dealing with my own shit. Keeps me from dealing with my own shit. It also keeps me from, all I can think about, that problem is going to become that train wreck that now I'm going to have to carry this workload because this person is going to be too emotionally constipated to deal with it and then they're going to try and use it as an excuse and maybe that's a harsh judgmental factor. But on, nine times out of ten. But nine times, I don't want to work with this person because, mm-hmm. I mean, I dealt with it all the time with my fucking cashiers. All the time. I don't want to work with because wow. I'm mad and I'm going to go work electronics because I don't want to be on the front. I don't want to deal with this because I don't want to deal with that. Hey, it's my car again. <laughs> Still there. Yep. <laughs> weird i've never seen my car this many times huh weird anyways um but i mean and so then that's also why it eats you alive too at least for me that's why it would eat me alive because then it's like oh fuck tomorrow tomorrow's gonna be hell i have two or three days off what fresh hell am i gonna work in walk into and what am i gonna have to fix because nobody else is going to take this problem seriously. Nobody else is going to take this problem because they just figure, oh, it's petty. And yeah, you're right, it is petty. But I mean, people get divorced because they let the petty shit build up. Build up and they don't talk about the actual, they let it build up and build up like, oh, they don't listen to me. Oh, they don't listen to me. Nobody cares. And as a manager, you get that a lot. 
Nobody cares. What are you doing about this? What are you doing about this? What are you doing about Nothing this? Nothing you say matters because you're not going to do anything to fix it anyway. Yep. Half the reason why people don't like calling the ethics line at our, at your, my old workplace, your current workplace, what does it solve? It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't, what's the point? And so they sit and they stew and then they bring the problems to you because I feel like you're just one of the ones that I can talk to. And then how many times do you get this from other members of management or hire people? You're too nice. Uh-huh. All the time. You're too nice. You need to just be firm and you need to be direct and you need to be, I don't care, do your shit. But if you do that, all you're going to do is run your people off. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. No. <laughs> no, yes, but no. There has to be a line. And where do you balance that? and when nobody else is willing to balance it. And that's just it. You, you know what? You're right. I'm probably gonna be the one, ultimately, that has to deal with this. But before it comes to me, chain of command. Mm -hmm. Chain of command. So you deal with it. And then when it lands on their desk, why didn't you deal with this? And then when you try to come home and you try to talk about it, because then you feel like your job's in jeopardy because if you don't deal with it, then all of a sudden it's, oh shit, mm -hmm. I'm looking. Now, well, this isn't your problem. And now, and, and I guess that's why I go from zero to a hundred really fast. And so I've noticed it with you and I've noticed it with you, Mr. Hank, is that the whole reason why we tend to go zero to a hundred real fast is because we think bigger picture and not Band-Aids. Yeah instant moment bandage i mean if i had bandaged just did a bandaid on my son's head that would not no god well bigger picture shit so and i guess that's the one thing too is that that's where it also gets frustrating being at the levels where we're at because you're high enough that people feel like you can do something they can talk to you and it might make a difference but you're not high enough that you can actually do anything because anything someone brings to you, you have to take to another person so that it's at the level that something can happen. Yep. And don't get me wrong, I like being that go-between person. It's nice to have the reputation with your associates that, hey, if I talk to her, something might get done. That report. Or with Hank, yeah. if I talk to him, something might get done. And that's well, fair. That's like Stoney telling me he wants schedule change. Yes. Wrong kind of manager to ask. Yes, and he does that all the time. And the problem is, especially in retail hell, is because they go to the higher members of management and nothing happens. So they think, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to talk to this person because maybe they can make a difference. Maybe they can talk to the upper yes. big wigs. Maybe if it comes from them instead of me, it'll make a difference. Yeah. And I would love to make a difference for every person that talks to me. It's just not going to happen, especially where we're at. Working for a multi-billion dollar corporation, I have a voice to a point. <laughs> you have a voice that a city council member has to Congress. Basically. <laughs> but they see it as, oh look, your badge says manager, or your badge says supervisor. So I'm going to bring this to you, and you can do something about it. I would love to. Let me tell you about all the things I would love to change, especially having been to 
the training that I've been to where yeah. I learned the way the company is supposed to work and how things are supposed to be handled and how things are supposed to go. Because let's talk about the vast difference between that and the store we're at. Let's talk about the Because, vast... my God. <laughs> let's talk about the reality. Because that's the problem. And there are some stores within our company, don't get me wrong, that run that perfectly. Oh, yeah. But the store we are at, with the management we have, the flow of traffic that we have, it just does not work. It oh. doesn't. And I would love to make a difference for you, but all I can do is report it to the next person and hope that it gets somewhere. Yeah. And like, and like where I work, when I was working as a caregiver in Oregon, in a med aid in Oregon, Washington State always set the standards, like the national standards. Yet when, yet the Oregon, the neighbor to Washington State, took that seriously but when I worked at facilities in Washington State they set the standards and they let it go to their head oh well we set the standards do as we say not as we do mm -hmm. and then I come here to Indiana and I'm gonna tell you right now that uh, I'm surprised that there's not a lot more facilities shut down or <laughs> under investigation just saying and I know that there's different standards but there's some there oh, should be across the board. Across, there are some federal across the board standards that it's like, holy mother of pearl. And where I currently work, yeah, and where I currently work, I get it. Every county is different. Every state is different. But there are federal standards across the board, which is no different than corporate standards across the board shit that you should be following. And some people are like, oh, some people leave where I work and go work for other, like, states or counties or whatever. And then they come back and because they want to retire here, mom, dad get sick, whatever. And then they come back and then you just, like, hear about the differences. And a lot of people that have never been outside their bubble, mm -hmm are like, nah, it can't be that different. And then they try to progress and go somewhere else. And they realize. It's vastly different. It's real. And that, and you're looking at it because some of these people have gone from a little small facility where people are in and out to a larger facility where it's a longer stay. <laughs> and that's a whole different monster altogether. And, and also where I work too, it's like the people that are where I work that we take care of are, or that we watch after, babysit, if you will, uh, they're against you. And then the public gets against you too because, well, fuck the FOMO. And then, but then the worst part is, is when you're co-workers are also against each other because everything you do, everything you do can result in firing, which then can result to other serious consequences. And it's just like, and some people have their camaraderie. And, Having worked thirds, even at um, 
as a med aide and a caregiver, I've always loved third shift. And everybody always says third shift is weird because you do become very close knit because let's face it, even at a facility, on when I was a med aide and a caregiver, day shift we would always have six caregivers, sometimes nine, three at one of my facilities we it was just assisted living and assisted living only so there was a wing and b wing and so there was three caregivers during the day on a wing three caregivers for b wing two med aides for a and b wing one nurse one administrator and then the housing administrator and then second shift would hit and the nurse would be there for about two three hours of the shift then go home the administrator and the housing administrator would be there for maybe an hour, sometimes three hours, all depending on the beginning and last of the month, or state inspections. But then there was two caregivers for each A-wing, B-wing, and one med-aid for the whole facility. And then on knock shift or overnights, there would be one care, two caregivers for the whole facility and one med aid for the whole facility so you go from three to two to one and then down two and then at some of my bigger facilities with alzheimer's dementia wards you'd always have a med aid and a caregiver always in there seconds it would be like two caregivers and a med aid and then the same for the rest of the facility and third shifts have always been a little on the lighter side. They've always been a little on the lighter side. But they're also always closer. Yeah. And I actually had, when I went to training, one of the assistant managers told me, third shift is a different breed. He said, it doesn't matter where you go or what you do. Yeah. Third shift is a different breed of people. Because they are, you all, no matter what, if you work third shift, you become this tight-knit group. It's just the way it works. He was like, and they might be a little rocky, they might be a little weird, but it doesn't matter who you are. It's like the high school cliques all come together and all of a sudden it doesn't matter what group you are in. Yeah. If you are on third shift, you automatically are all melded together. Yep. And again, whether you hate... Because, let's be real, when I was on the front end of retail health, the other manager on the front end of retail health for at least a year that I was there. I hated her. I absolutely hated her and I got petty as fuck. I'm not gonna lie, but at the same time when shit got real. You were right there beside her. Yep, all the time, every time. And I didn't get the same courtesy extended. And we had our friction, but then, but then when shit kind of calmed down, then it, there was that whole apology, not apology, and then we worked okay, and it was just really roller coaster, but we still, no matter what, we were still thirds, and it was still just like, again, there were times when shit got real and she had my back, there was times that shit got real and I had her back, and no matter what, and then people are going, wait, 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 why are you even defending her? You hate her. Doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. You're fucking thirds and this is bullshit. So, and, and 
and during the days too, like I said, the administrator and the housing administrator at Retail Hell. There's the store manager, the co-store managers, assistant <coughs> managers, and all the army of assistant managers. And then where I currently work, there's top brass, the mid-level brass, and then everybody else. And on days, on top of all the other staff that our top brass even answers to. <laughs> so fun. And I guess the different, also that's the one thing. I personally like seconds or thirds. The less upper there is, the better it tends to run. Because the more you can actually fix a lot of the problems. Because there's that open, honest communication and you're not like, okay, is mom and dad listening? No, I mean, I'm going to tell you the rules, like how they're supposed to be, and we're going to follow them like how they're supposed to be. But are they here? But are they going to come in and go, hey, are you the parent? How dare you undermine me? What did I do wrong? You're acting like the parent, and I'm here. Why didn't you come to me? Well, because you said not to. You, you told me to go to the babysitter. <laughs> or you told me to go to dad, and dad told me to go to mom, and mom told me to go to dad, and now I'm stuck in this perpetual who do I go to loop. I'm so confused, I give up! <laughs> I'm wrong, I'm always wrong! It doesn't matter. Nothing matters! That's why thirds are a different breed, I think. It's because we just gotta go. Okay, crazy! It's all hands in the pot, but no hands in the pot at the same time. Yep. There's cookies in the jar, but there are no cookies in the jar, and who knows where the secret stash is. <laughs> you think that's just a regular box of saltine crackers, and really, thin mints. <laughs> but, and see, and that's another thing, too, is that that communication... It has to be there. ...that gets lost somewhere. somewhere. That's, that's what bothers me. And then it bothers me, too, because being empathetic. Mm -hmm. And being a mother and being a manager, I'm not in a management position right now. And there are times that Aaron will be like, well, if you keep being as abrasive as you are, you're never going to. And that's where Petrick finds himself sometimes. And it's like, okay, I've got to shut off manager. I've got to shut off the manager mode. And it's so hard after like 12, 13 years of experience of it and where you're just going, I have some ideas. <laughs> I have noticed some things. Can I just, can I, uh -huh. I, do I, do I not, do I, do I not, I, I'm just, also where like that's why you get so close on thirds and whatnot but but then coming home and finding that work-life balance because on the one hand babe just talk to me babe just talk to me 
when I talk to you and you tell me that I'm dumb and I shouldn't be worried about this and I shouldn't be talking about this and this shouldn't be on my mind. And then when the shit happens that I was trying to tell you about, then why didn't you do something about this? Babe, why didn't you address this sooner? Why didn't you... I would have handled it like this. I wouldn't have handled... I was trying to get your opinion, motherfucker. <laughs> but you told me not to worry about it. So I did exactly... Uh, you know what? I'm going to take a page out of your book and I'm not going to worry about it. And we're just going to let it go. And then... Uh, uh, All of a sudden. <laughs> now... Apocalypse. Now, now this happens. And I told you... I told you so. <laughs> and, and then you're just like... Why are you dumb? No, no matter what. It's like, okay, so I'm constantly dumb. Cool. Cool. I don't know anything. And then, why am I here? Why am I in this position? Who gave me this job? I need an adult. <laughs> I need an adult. And you know what? I'm going to step down. No, don't step down. They need you. Clearly they don't, because apparently... And clearly you don't, because apparently... And why are you mad at me? Why is... Why are you upset with me? How did this turn into me? Why is this my problem? Why are we fighting? I don't know. Because you're getting too emotional about it. And you're not here, and you're not present, and you're not with the family, and I never get to see you, and I never get to spend time with... And you're bringing the work stuff home. But I understand that you have to talk about the work stuff, and... Ah! And then when shit's bad at home, it's just this perpetuating cycle. Because then when shit gets bad at home, you're just like, well, my days off were ruined. It wasn't even that fun. Back to the shit. Back to the beat grinder. I want to stick my whole arm in this time, not just my hand. No. Holding. Let's just dive right in. Hey, is that a, is that a wood chipper? I'm just going to swan dive right what? into that. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get spit out. It's like a black hole. At least how we want to think of black holes, where I'm going to go in, I'm going to get, like, dematerialized, but then come out the other end and end you up magically. Piece me back together. Yeah. That'll be fine. And then I'll be pieced back together, and then... You can yell at me some more for making a mess. Yeah. You didn't clean up your blood. <laughs> My bad. Let me just kind of... Okay, is that good? It's back in my body. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go in this meat grinder. Fun. See, that's why communication. And then they get mad that, oh, I see how it is. You're gonna go talk to your friends, but you're not gonna talk to me. I tried to talk to you. Look how that worked. Oh. Oh. It, it did not. <clears throat> you're here. No. No. Okay. She means she gets home. Oh, so you'll talk to them, but you want to talk to me. What? And, uh, and you and Doyle have had similar... <laughs> oh, so you'll talk to them, but you won't But what talk. am I? <clears throat> Y'all both got me fucked up. You don't think I'm driving the fuck off. <laughs> and then you get the... Hello. You'll see me <laughs> the whole work thing, uh, Okay, here's what's happening at work. And then I get from Doyle. I don't know these people. I'm not at this store. I don't care. Okay, I understand that. But, it's bothering me, and I want to talk to you about this. I don't care. Okay. I'm going to go talk to them. 
Why do you always hang out with your friends and you never talk to me? Oh my God. Uh, Pick one. What is, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) There's a song for everything. Easy there, Adam Lambert. There is a song for everything. There is. <laughs> it's, but Aaron does the same thing. It's okay. I am righteously steamed right now, and you're asleep because we, because I work seconds, and I get home at an ungodly hour. Where and I just yeah. want to talk to someone. I should just. I don't want to talk to somebody. Oh, you woke up. Cool. Awesome. This is great. <laughs> it's because they have a truck and you don't. You wish. You know I wasn't flipping off you, I was flipping off the car. <laughs> Did you pee? Oh my god, but I kind of Maybe. But it's okay. <sighs> but yeah, with podcast is a train wreck. Yeah. But yeah, no, with Aaron, it's very much similar. Yeah. I've got a problem. I just. No, I, you don't even have to say anything. I just don't listen. Yeah, I just need you to listen. And then he'll have a problem. And you never listen to me. I don't know if Doyle's ever had that argument with you where it's like, not yet, give it time. <laughs> not yet, give it time. Two years versus five. <laughs> almost six. Yeah. <laughs> Two years versus five, almost six. Wait, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. It'll that- happen. That whole like, and like I'll try to ask. You seem like something's bothering you. What's going on? Nothing. You're lying to me. No, I'm fine. No, no, you're not. Survey you're, says you're really, you're really not. Again, communication. And then, oh yeah, give it time because that'll. Right now, don't want to burden you. Don't want to burden you, especially since you guys are actually planning the wedding and that's all happy and it renews that honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. Just wait. And then. <laughs> and then there's going to be that one time that he tells you the same thing because it happened with Aaron and myself. There, there, there comes that day where it's like, okay, something's bothering you. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm good. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. Babe. Poke. Babe. Poke. Babe. Poke. What? You're lying. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm going to be the annoying little... Cling on. Added a barbecue. What's wrong with you? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Okay. Are you sure? No. 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 Now I don't trust this. Are you? I feel like I'm holding a grenade and the pin is pulled, and I don't know if this is a time-sensitive one or a pressure one. So I'm just gonna hold it. But my arms are getting tired. Are you sure I can walk away? It's a dud. It's a dud. It's. And okay. then you go in and try to go dead. And. <laughs> You never asked me about my problems. You never listened to me. Do you even know why I'm mad? No, I honestly don't. I tried asking you. (laughs) Oh, you're mad about this. I thought we resolved this because we talked about this four four times before. And we came to the same conclusions. Every time. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I wasn't even angry, but now I'm angry. (laughs) I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm just... It's a small world after all. 
<laughs> Just give me the hug me jacket. It's okay. Now it happens. And it, it really does. Oh, I keep waiting. Because I know one of these days it's coming. Especially since he also works in retail hell. Even though his is nowhere close to the hell that ours is. But being a step up in management from where I'm at, he has to deal with a lot more. Which I understand. He just doesn't want to talk about it. Which I get, because sometimes I come home and I don't want to talk about it. But, again, if you don't talk about it, even if it's something fiddly that they have nothing to do with, you have to get it out. Because otherwise, it all fucking avalanches, and then all of a sudden you get slammed with six months of shit. Yeah. And you have to try and fight your way out of it. Find that air pocket. Find that air pocket and wait for search and rescue. Hope the dogs can smell you. Can you, can you see my hand? Oh, I'm right here. I know I'm losing it because of frostbite, but it's a plague. I don't care at this point. Or Mount Vesuvius and just pyroclastic cloud fuck. And then some archaeologist comes along later and goes, Oh, hey, look, she was in the middle of knitting. Isn't that interesting? How about that? <laughs> oh, they had no idea. Oh, they were hugging each other. Yes, yeah. Oh, even back then they were just like us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sad yes. and full of problems. See those pictures of when we were happy? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to them? What happened to them? Babe, that's us. I know. But what happened to them? Where did they go? Shit. Shit's what happened. Okay. Good to know. I do want to say that communication is never perfect because when I was going to the bathroom, I did think about it in like the first half. It kind of sounded like you were trying to tell us problems, Hank, and then we were... <clears throat> no, 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 about Petrick, and... We just talked over you because we're women, and that's what we do. Yeah. That's fair. I've just been sitting here having piss for the past half hour. <laughs> Can I take a piss break? Thank you. So, uh, message of the day. Yes, now that Hank's piss break is over. Hank, <clears throat> listen, I almost tripped over a fat cat that watched me piss. And Dog was excited that I did. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, communication is key because throughout all of this, even with the meandering weird little twists and weird little rants that it took, it all boils down to communication. You have to have it. Good or bad, it's necessary. Because it also helps you get that forever American dream of work-life balance because let's be honest that's actually the american dream having the balance of work and life and personal because otherwise you are living in some weird shit storm where you can talk about nothing at all times and then you just become a miserable mope and probably a hermit <laughs> and you move to alaska and become one of those people that just say fuck the world I'm going to the last frontier, the, night, the land of the midnight sun, 
and forever permafrost and nobody wants to live here so I'm perfect yep. then I guess you don't have to communicate so is that the message of the day if you don't want to communicate move to Alaska I think so okay yeah Fair enough. or the northern territories of Canada wherever or Antarctica yeah Antarctica I like that because then there's like storms that like or that little island off of Chile so yes, then, the little baby. Yeah, the little baby island off of Chile. Because nobody really actually lives there anymore. Because it is actually, even though it's South America, it's not warm. It's only a few miles off skip and a jump as the crow flies or as the pelican flies. Or albatross. Albatross. Okay. To Antarctica. <clears throat> yeah. It's okay. Whatever. Otherwise, you need to learn to communicate. For the love of God. Communicate and also be preemptive, not reactive. Yes. Be proactive. Proactive, not reactive. Thank you. Proactive and not reactive. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in that reactive, reactionary state. And when you do find yourself there, the other message is curb your emotions. <laughs> I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it. Hank has a problem with it. Yeah. Like, take that time. When do you as we say, not as we do. Or at least attempt, like we do, to have <laughs> that time to get deep in your feels and get the fuck over it and then come at it logically. It doesn't always happen because we're not perfect and we're human. But attempt. Attempt. Please. And this is a very long-ass podcast and I haven't actually put out an episode since the whole Tati James Charles shit went down. So, have fun! This is like a super long one, and I hope this appeases the masses. No, but really, I just, we finally had a time to fucking vent, and we both had, we all three had fucking shitty nights at work. Yep. And needed to get it off our chests, and unfortunately, because of the shifts that we work, significant others... We're unavailable, and our well, little... Yeah, I brought significant others in my face. <laughs> well, Hank is... Hank is single, ladies. Just <laughs> just FYI. And he is actually a really, really awesome guy, so... Just hit us up. Yep. Hit it on, boy. <laughs> oh. Okay, cheeseburger. Okay, well, that ruined it. Okay, cheeseburger. I'm already married. Can't <laughs> ask much more than that. Oh, good lord. On that note, communication. Don't get too emotional. If you are in that state of reaction, just calm it the fuck down. Get in your feels. Work through those emotions. And if you don't want to talk, go to Antarctica. Yep. <laughs> Alaska, Northern Territories. Isolate yourself. It's okay. Or the Chilean island. Yep. The little baby. Oh. On the very tip there, the little boot that's getting kicked by an entire continent. <laughs> like legit. No, it's not him. That's you. Boop. So, till next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. Woo!